It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, and welcome to Toronto's Podcast, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today, we're going to meet Mark LaFleur, an accomplished entrepreneur and the founder of True Local, an online marketplace that connects health-conscious consumers to local suppliers. So, Mark, welcome. Uh, why don't we kick off by, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and, and why you're here kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Mark Fleur. I'm the CEO and co-founder of True Local. Um, we started True Local about three and a half years ago uh, as a consumer solution for the problem that people were having of trying to find high quality locally sourced meat products. So, a lot of the companies that you see that are focusing on food are really centered around the meal kit industry. So you've got lots of money flowing in there, hundreds of millions of dollars are being invested on meal kits. And then on the other side, and for those of you that don't know, the meal kits are pretty straightforward. You know, you go online, you order uh, um, a meal and they'll send you all the ingredients for it. And then the other side is uh, a lot of grocery delivery companies. So you've got companies <clears throat> like Instacart, DoorDash, all these different things. And once again, yeah. I start to talk about the billions of dollars being invested in there to make it really easy to shop with conventional grocers. But nobody was really focusing on small local farming, small local suppliers, local butchers. So we saw the problem that people were looking for this type of product. And we also saw that there was nobody really looking to take a tech approach to it. So the solution to that was an online subscription box. So True Local lets people go online. They can see all the uh, farmers, suppliers, butchers in their area. And then create a customized box that gets delivered to their house whenever they want. It could be every two weeks, every three weeks, once a month, uh, whatever works for them. How long have you been an entrepreneur? When did you kind of dive into this adventurous world? Yeah, so actually, this is my third project. Um, this is the one that really got some legs and took off. But I guess it would have been since 2012. Um, I was at the University of Waterloo. Didn't have any concept of business. Didn't know um, anything in terms of digital marketing, how to scale a business, hiring. I was just a kid. I was there, you know, having a good time on the weekends. Um, and, uh, I realized, uh, this is during the time that Snapchat got offered $3 billion. Mm -hmm. That kind of really opened my world to understanding that, wow, like there's, there's a, an entire industry on this. And I, I felt so naive and ignorant to not even knowing it existed, but I couldn't understand how an app could have a business side attached to it. So that was what we're looking seven years ago now. And that was kind of my foray into it. And since then, you know, we've created an instant messaging app. Um, I've created a sharing economy platform. Um, and then kind of, that was about two to three years of learning the ins and outs of how to run a business. So everything from, uh, raising, raising, so everything from, um, institutional rounds of investment, everything from hiring, choosing your co-founders, learning how to do digital marketing, project management, um, all that type of stuff, um, is what led to true local today. Why dive into entrepreneurship? You know, are you wired differently than everybody else? Or I mean, are entrepreneurs wired differently? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if wired differently is the right term, but you definitely are a certain type of individual for better or for worse. I think that the qualities and traits that make an entrepreneur, or at least a successful entrepreneur, the way they are, are actually bad in some other categories. <clears throat> so I think to be an entrepreneur, be in the business, you've got to be relatively aggressive. You've got to be willing to go after opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, everybody likes to say that being in business is a marathon not a sprint. I'm the complete opposite. I think that being an entrepreneur is a series of sprints. Um, it's the opposite. You don't want it to be a marathon because you don't want to be slogging along at the same pace, not really overly exerting yourself, but keeping your energy. 
when you spot an opportunity, you want to sprint towards that opportunity as fast as possible. So I look at being an entrepreneur as a series of sprints and that kind of goes with a bit of being aggressive and kind of jumping on stuff like that. On the other side too, I really think that uh, you've got to be willing to just kind of get beaten up a lot. And some people aren't really interested in that and I don't blame them. I think that uh, the happiest people I know are people that are working nine to five, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of consistency in life, a lot of stability, job security, all that stuff is there. Um, the people that I know that are in the business world are constantly getting thrown in the mud. Uh, you know, it's not, it, all you really hear is the glory stories. You don't really hear like the come up that it took to get there. And on top of that too, um, we just, you know, you gotta have to have that mentality of never giving up. So even if it takes one year, if it takes five years, I think, you know, the greatest sign of any entrepreneur is his ability to, you'll hear it all the time. You have friends that, uh, you know, they kind of talk to them every, you know, it's every six months, you know how it is. It's 2019. People don't talk that much anymore. And every six months you kind of hear this person going through like one hardship and another hardship and another hardship in his business. Yet two years, he's still doing the same thing, still pushing it forward. And then eventually you're going to hear how that company became an overnight success. Why Toronto? You mean we were chatting before you said you came from Cornwall and then you went to Waterloo. Why Toronto? What are the benefits of doing business in Toronto? Well, you know what? So we're, we're based on the Kitchener right now. And I think that just being in the GTA, being in that hub in general, is just a great, uh, it, you know, it's it's the, the mecca of Canada at the end of the day for specifically yeah. on the finance I live, in, I live in Hamilton. So, yeah, I mean, it, exactly. really, it really goes from what, you know, almost Kingston down 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 to London, basically. Yeah. Okay, good. So we're on the same page. Yeah. So it's a, it's not just Toronto. There's a lot going on there, but yeah, coming up from Cornwall, you know, Cornwall taught me a lot and told me kind of where I wanted to go in life and what I wanted to do. And ironically, we get a ton of support out of Cornwall. So I always like to make sure that people realize some good things going on in Cornwall. And then when I did that, uh, when I graduated high school, I went to the university of Waterloo, which complete contrast to where I grew up. And once again, I think that if I didn't go to the university of Waterloo, I wouldn't be as into business as I am now. The entire ecosystem, not just the university, but Waterloo, Kitchener, the whole corridor is 100% primed and, and built to help sustain startups. Yeah. So for us, um, actually, when I graduated, I went, I moved out to London. So I was working full time in London. And yeah. then when we started to, to decide to start True Local, I knew I needed to get closer back to that ecosystem. So we actually moved to Milton, started the business in Milton. Okay. And then once we started scaling, we went back to Kitchener. Um, to kind of take advantage of the community and, and uh, that, that Toronto-Kitchener corridor. So some of our best ideas come when we least expect them. How do you disconnect? How do you recharge? You know, how do you get inspired? Because you typically on, we're, we're engrossed in our business. So you have to step aside to find a new idea to solve the problem. Is there, is there a special place you go or... Yeah, honestly, if you have the answer to that, I would be more than happy to get that from you because that's something that I struggle with on a regular. I think a lot of people who are in business do. I don't think there's a one uh, uh, a one size fits all approach. I do it. On, I actually do it on my holidays. I try and take time off every quarter, and my wife hates me because I I take my my biggest issues along with me and solve them while I'm on holiday. Yeah, well, you know what? Like, I kind of get that that vibe as well. So, like, I it's hard. Like, for me to go on vacation, ironically, I think it stresses me out more than being here. Um, just kind of being away. But there's a difference between being productive and seeking out good ideas. And I think people try to mesh the two. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're trying to be productive, I think going on vacation is going to be stressful. 
Um, not being around, not being able to have access to your email, not being able to push the needle forward on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. That's difficult. If once again, that all kind of falls in the productivity category and that's difficult if you're away. However, um, the, one of the, one of the side effects of that is that your brain is always running. Like you're always go, go, go. You're always pushing things forward, which doesn't necessarily leave a lot of room for creativity. I think that if you're always on, you become more efficient. I do believe that. I think that the day-to-day -day processes and the things that you need to get done and your to-do list and your tasks and your goals can be done more efficiently when you're on for longer periods of time just because of the, the, the fact that you're repeating the same motions and you're going through it. However, when it comes to getting a brand new idea or if you're stuck on something, I think that if you're always on, there's not a lot of room for new creativity or new thoughts to come in. So that's where I see the benefit of a vacation or unplugging. So if you're looking for inspiration, if you're stuck on a specific problem, like I mean, it could be a major problem. I think unplugging is the way to go. Definitely. I um, mean, that could be anything, you know, anything that just gives you genuine happiness. You know, it could be going to a Raptors game or it could be going down South for a week. It could be, you know, going, renting some cars and racing around the track, whatever just gets you unplugged and out of your current, um, out of your current grind and out of your current cycle. I think that'll help with big ideas and problems. But once again, when it comes to actually being productive um, and getting things done, I think that the longer you're plugged in, the more efficient you become. What, like I said, not uh, one size fits all. That's what works for me. It's all I can really speak to. It, it, I mean, we're all different. Tell me about the vision you have for the business. You know, you've, you've just expanded it, I, I think, in, in, into Alberta and, B, and, and BC. How's that going? What's the longer term vision? Yeah, so 2018 was actually a really exciting year for us because it's the first time we started taking the true local model outside of Ontario. And the whole true local model focuses around people within a specific province should be eating products that are sourced and raised within that province. So we decided that this isn't something that's unique to Ontario. We can take this model and expand it into different provinces, into different states one day, and, and just kind of get trying to get people to shop from their local suppliers rather than going all over the place. So 2018 is when we decided to start taking it across Canada. Um, the vision for us is to absolutely be the one-stop shop for people looking to get more options when it comes to, to meat, to, for people that are looking to shop directly with local farms but don't have the ability to drive out there. We want True Local to be the go-to. So people will go to your groceries regularly, but you'll get your meat from True Local. Um, and I think we're doing that really well because the business is growing. Um, we're rocking and rolling. Um, we're also doing a lot more with the farmers and the suppliers to help get them online as well. So the more farms and suppliers we're able to bring on board, the more products we're able to get, the more customers we're getting, the better service we're able to provide them. So yeah, we definitely want to be the biggest players in Canada for that. Um, and, uh, and just try to connect as many people as possible to people within their or suppliers and farmers in their area. What are the top three things on your you know, bucket list, vision board, whatever the heck you call it. Yeah, honestly, uh, I want to keep, keep continue to scale the team. You know, I think uh, right now with True Local, we're actually getting into 100% recyclable packaging. So that was one of our goals that we were- I was going to ask you about that because, you know, your industry sector has been getting hammered on delivery is very wasteful on materials. And it is, it definitely is. And I think it's funny because you look at it and I think things back in the day when only a few people were doing them, people don't really care about the environmental impact and, you know, they just want to get something delivered to their door quickly. But now, you know, with the increase, the significant increase of online shopping, you start seeing this and you see it in the recycling bins all over the place now, right? They're completely packed. So when we started the business, it was never really on our radar um, until year one. And then in year one, we started doing a lot of research and trying to figure out how we could get 
a 100% recyclable solution to customers without increasing the price. And that would actually keep products frozen for 48 hours. And that's the biggest thing is that a lot of people mm -hmm. like to ship products frozen for 24 hours, but mm -hmm. you start running into serious issues there. So ironically today, we are actually, so we've actually been testing uh, in Alberta and BC, the recyclable packaging. And today we did a full rollout in Ontario as well. So all mm -hmm. local orders are being sent out with 100% recyclable packaging as of today. It so happened that we did this podcast at the same time. That's really good. That good. We've got news on our podcast. Based on what you know now, what wouldn't you have done when you were starting the business? What wouldn't I have done? We made a lot of mistakes, like tons. And like I said, like there's a lot of times you want to just give up. And a lot of times these mistakes were kind of game changing. Um, I'm a huge believer that everybody is where they're supposed to be at that current time. I, I know it sounds so cliche, but I'm a huge believer in that. I think everything happens for a reason. I think that even some of the serious mistakes that we've made, had we done them differently, maybe we wouldn't be where we are today. There's probably an argument to be made we would be further, but there's also an argument to be made we probably wouldn't, there's a chance that we wouldn't be where we're at. I think like for practical advice, um, I would have definitely gotten accountants way sooner. <laughs> uh, myself, my co-founder, uh, we're good on the data side when it comes to numbers, but just dealing with accountants and all that type of stuff is always a headache. So I think that's a big thing. I think if you, uh, after a year, if you're actually scaling and you start getting into six, seven figures, you have to get an accountant because we had to go through massive headaches, you know, trying to do all of it retroactively. Yeah. That would be something I'm a huge believer. Uh, one thing I, 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 you know, it's the opposite of wanting to change it, but we've always developed our own technology. So we run our own website. We don't use Shopify. We don't use WordPress. We don't use anything like that. So not saying something we wouldn't do. I'm actually advocating for this. If you're looking to build a long-term business that is not just selling a one product, like with us, we have the ability to customize and all that. Yeah. I'd say you have to invest in having your own platform just from a competitive landscape. Um, the last thing you need is someone going out there and copying your platform. If they're going to copy it, at least make them do something custom. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I uh, look back on quite a bit. I can't, I honest to God, I can't think of anything that I would change right now. I'm, I'm very happy with where the business is. Well, you know, if you had to give a piece of advice to, to somebody just starting up, you know, someone that's six years back from you kind of, kind of thing, what would it be? What's, what's that gem that you would say? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the best books I think that's ever been written period is from good to great. And one of the initial concepts, yeah. yeah, it's a great book. The whole concept is pretty much taking businesses that, factoring in or accounting for almost every possible variable that could compound this study. But the whole concept is businesses that went from being good businesses, according to the market that then went to being great businesses mm -hmm. also sustained that. So they didn't go from good to great back to good. And they didn't also just go industry specific. So I don't need to get into all the details in that, but long story short, businesses that went from good to great. One of the, the main, the, the, the one of the main takeaways is, you know, make sure to have the right people in place. And I think that that is something early on that people sacrifice a lot because everyone's really excited yeah. and everyone's saying yes. And when you're signing contracts, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. I'm down with this. I'm down with that. And then it, that's even if you get to the point of doing contracts, a lot of people that I know are saying, no, we'll just deal with it later once we get our money in the door. And I can't stress that enough. Like I call them, you know, long story short, I would just recommend do these conversations early on, have these contracts signed early on because that is what's going to dissuade people from thinking they can pull stuff down the line. Um, we've been very fortunate. I've worked with all friends at first 12 employees. I think are all friends, uh, friends and family. And that worked out really, really well to help grow the business. But I see it all the time. Um, just people that want to push off contracts, push off negotiations. I would do that as soon as possible. And then once again, if you can just focus on getting the right people on the bus, forget where they're sitting. 
right? Like different spots, different everything. We can figure out where they're going to sit later, but just get the right people on the bus. That is a huge piece of advice that I think is really important for early stage entrepreneurs. That's from like a more high level practical, but just other things too. just go do it. I think that um, we do a lot of consulting now and focus on trying to help entrepreneurs in that, you know, one to $5 million range, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. Um, just people, like places that we've already been, like we've been there. So I think with entrepreneurs, they have a million ideas. Like there's no offense or buts about it. If you're thinking about one idea, guaranteed probably have eight more. And I think that there's this sort of uh, thought process that if I sit on it, an idea is going to kind of pop up in my head and I'm going to, I'm going to decide that this is the one that I want to do. I'm a, I'm a huge believer that they're all good ideas. I can almost attest to that. Really what you got to focus on is actually just executing on that idea. So that to me is something that would really help entrepreneurs go ahead and actually drill down on it, pick an idea, just go after it. If it fails, no problem, pick up another one, but instead of dwelling on it for too long, just go ahead and actually pull the trigger on something. So we'll just do some rapid fire ones. Don't think too much, just answer. If you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing instead? Yeah, I would be focused on uh, creating services and leveraging technology to help uh, online content creators, online course creators. What book are you currently reading, listening to? And are, is there any books we talked about good great already, but any other books that you'd recommend to, to the audience? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just finished reading uh, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. I recommend that to anybody uh, with an asterisk that if you're willing for self-improvement and you're, you know, understand that everything that happens to you is your doing for good or for worse. I think it's one of the best books out there. Um, The Obstacles, The Way is a great book. Once again, same sort of concept for entrepreneurs. You know, no matter what happens to you, life isn't fair, but you got to find a way to react to that. Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Absolutely amazing book. I'd highly recommend it. Um, and one more that I'd recommend, uh, rocket fuel. So once again, talking for early stage entrepreneurs, rocket fuel talks about how every business has a one and a two, a visionary and an integrator. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people try to run a business, not having clear identified roles. But when these two individual roles get together and understand their roles, it's like rocket fuel. It's a great book for anybody looking to start a business. Are you a morning or a night person? Morning. Definitely. If you had to Pick one word to describe yourself. What would it be and why would it be? Um, stubborn. I'm very stubborn. I think on the, hope, hopefully on the good side of it, but I use the word specifically stubborn because I think some people would think the bad side. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really take no for an answer <laughs> on the good side of things. I'm very stubborn. If I don't get a call back or if I hear a no, I'm just going to kind of keep hitting my head on the door until mm-hmm. I can get back in. So I would say stubborn for good and for worse. What's keeping you up at night? Honestly, right now, nothing. I can genuinely, I think right now with where the business is three and a half months into it, or sorry, three and a half years into it, we're in a really, really good place. We've got a great team in place. We've got a lot of new things launching. We've got our new website coming out with recyclable packaging. The business is growing. It's the holiday season. Um, we're on a really, really good path. So right now, as of today, nothing is keeping me up at night, which is exciting. So what's your most favorite place in the world? I think right now I'd have to say Barcelona. Why Barcelona? I've been there a couple of times and just every time I go there, I just have a great time. I went with a couple of friends a few years ago been with my girlfriend and two completely different trips and had an amazing time both times. The weather's amazing. The people are great. Um, I like the city like quite a bit. So last but not least, so there's a small tropical island in the middle of the ocean, which is where you'd expect it to be. Only one phone booth, no internet. We drop you off there with no technology, no, no laptop, no phone. At any time, you can use a phone booth and call us to come and pick you up. How long would you last and what would you do? 
I think I would last longer than the average, but not as long as someone who's a seasoned outdoorsman. I've just now recently started taking spending more time outside. Um, being out west, uh, having operations out west, and spending some more times out in the Rockies and doing a lot more hikes and doing full day trips. So I think I'd be somewhat self sufficient, but eventually. I'd probably be tapping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, Mark, uh, super interview. Thank you for some, some really good good observations there. How can uh, people listening get you online? Yeah, well, if you want to get me online because you like the product and you want to get your meat delivered to your place, you would just check out www.truelocal.ca. Um, we're actually have our holiday boxes on sale right now too. So if you're tired of getting people, you know, a coffee maker that they're just going to re-gift, um, you can get people a $99 box of steaks, comes with a note and everything. Um, if you want to connect personally, LinkedIn, I uh, love connecting with potential entrepreneurs or existing entrepreneurs or successful entrepreneurs and just chatting about anything and everything. I'm really excited about uh, data informatics right now, surprisingly, really trying to get the business more data informed. So any sort of uh, data stacks that you want to talk about, anything at all, I'm always looking for advice on that. And then on Instagram, you can catch us at TrueLocal, T-R-U-L-O-C-A-L. Is there anything I've missed that you kind of want to pass on to other entrepreneurs? I wrote an article recently. Um, and like I said, I, I like talking about this just because I think that when it comes to being an entrepreneur, everyone talks about the glory side and what that causes is entrepreneurs to get started. And then the first time they run into a roadblock, it, they're like, Oh my God, I'm doing it wrong. How did this guy become an overnight success and all that type of stuff. And I think that's kind of what the cascading effect of glorifying being an entrepreneur is. I kind of like to talk about the reality of it, at least in my experience, once again, this is all kind of stuff that's been relevant to me, but I wrote an article, which is just four tips uh, for any first time founders, kind of just getting prepared and, and things that you can uh, expect being a first time founder. And it's on my LinkedIn as well. So I would say that, you know, if there's any extra tidbits people are looking for, they relate to the story uh, that they've heard, heard on the podcast and want to hear a little bit more about my insights on it, they can go ahead and check out that article. Well, that's great. That's good. Well, once again, Mark, thanks for coming on uh, Canada's podcast. Really appreciate it. Some some great advice. And uh, hey, we'll uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.